welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we will be highlighting stories of discipleship here at Crosspoint. My name is Josh, and I'm the Central Ministries Pastor, and my heart beats for discipleship, and I'm, I'm really honored to share these stories with you. Now, being a disciple of Jesus is to embody the life Jesus lived, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus was always investing in a few others. As a church together, we've been studying the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28 during the month of September through our Sunday messages, and we've really tried to hone in on the last things Jesus said. He gives a couple of promises, and, and then he gives this command that says, as you're going, make disciples of all people. And, and it's our mission here at Crosspoint to help people find and follow Jesus, but part of following Jesus is learning how to help others find and follow him as well. And this podcast is highlighting a few of those stories where these kinds of relationships are happening right here at Crosspoint, and then just to inspire others to help do the same as well. And what's great about it is these are normal people doing everyday life with compassion and intentionality for the glory of God and for the sake of others. And today we have guests Kelly Suko and Grace Riemann from our Nashville campus. And also they're a part of our college ministry here in the city. And they're joining me to have a conversation about their own experience with discipleship. Today I have my friends Kelly and Grace joining us to talk shop. Welcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right, so glad to see you guys and glad you're here. Thanks for joining us today. Of oh, course. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, you guys are a part of a, a podcast where we're just having these conversations about discipleship. And so what I'd love to start doing, why don't we just get a little background of who you are, where you're from, you know, maybe how you came to faith, what's your story a little bit with discipleship. So just uh, fill in some blanks. Uh, Grace, why don't we start with you? Sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Josh. Um, so I'm originally from Northern Virginia, not from Nashville at all. Grew up with parents that loved Jesus really well, so was exposed to church, to the Lord from a very early age. Um, came to know him much, much better in high school, college, doing some traveling in grad school. Spent a lot of time traveling to other states, moved around a lot, um, and really have been in Nashville the past two years and have been spending time at Crosspoint, getting involved building a lot of relationships, and that's how I got here. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Kelly, how about you? I didn't grow up in the church, so my family did the very best with what they had, and I first met Jesus for the most authentic time when I was 16, and one of my peers invited me to an FCA meeting that we were having at our high school in Southern California, um, and the high school ministry was so strong and the message of the gospel was so relevant to my teenage self <laughs> that I became so interested and so curious. And she was so faithful even at 16. And then when I moved to Nashville to finish high school, I'm kind of one of those weirdos who's kind of from here. Um, but I got involved in Young Life when I first moved here. And that also helped take root in my life in a way that I knew the gospel. I knew what it looked like to love Jesus, but lost a lot of that foundation in college. Um, a lot of the pressure of what having fun and living a college experience uh, looked like, I completely succumbed to. Mm. And I just decayed really, um, really deeply over the past uh, four years of college. And um, coming out of it, my best friend from my freshman year of high school who had introduced me to FCA and intersected in my life when I was 16, she happened to move to where I was at. And she was faithful at 16 and she was faithful at 24. And then she brought me to a church that shared the gospel with me again. And I knew that I had to face 
what did it look like to go all in? Mm-hmm. And that's when I think I fully gave my life to Jesus. Yeah. I had I'd known him and had walked with him a little bit, but I was like, I can't be one foot in and one foot out. I can't compromise on the gospel. Yeah. And I accepted it for my whole truth <laughs> yeah. at like 24, I would say. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Reminds me of David's prayer in Psalm 86, you know, give me an undivided heart, Lord, that I might fear you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. Along those journeys, so you mentioned your friend, mm-hmm. uh, Grace, I want to ping pong that question back to you. Anybody in those times that were pivotal, just investing in you, taking time to pour into you, draw you close, what, ask questions? Did, did you have anybody in your life like that? Or was that like, no, nah, it's just me and Jesus doing it? <laughs> oh, man. There were sometimes it was me and Jesus doing my thing, but the times when there was someone else were better. Yeah. I will say that for sure. Yeah, I had a couple people that really poured into me specifically in college and then also in grad school afterwards that, um, yeah, I think that even growing up in the church, you know, people are like, Oh, let me see you believe in Jesus like for forever. You've got no problems with that. Everything is easy. And that is definitely not the case. You know, I might've grown up with that foundation, but there were absolutely moments in my life where I wasn't sure if it was all for me, if, you know, there was a better way that didn't involve Jesus. Um, and those people were instrumental in like keeping my foundation strong in the Lord and drawing me back to um, faith into the church, into like the original love that I had for Jesus. And I don't think that would have happened without these people. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Anybody else in your life that's just taking some time for intentionality? Absolutely. Very early on in my fully committed, developed walk with Jesus, <laughs> I was in a ministry class at my church in Dallas at the time. And there was a woman who was rubbing me the wrong way, honestly, and was getting under my skin. And I remember talking to my friends and being like, that's such a weirdo. She's so weird. <laughs> and it turns out that she had been praying about pursuing me in a discipleship relationship. And when I found that out, I was shocked but dove headfirst into a one-on-one, life-on-life discipleship relationship for the first time. And it was about me. She was pouring into me so that I could pour into other people. I was leading my small group at the church at the time, and we would process things together. I shared my finances with her. She talked about stewardship. It was conversations with her that started out with what are my spiritual giftings and how can I leverage those? And then she tragically passed away seven years ago Mm. in a kayaking accident. Mm. And um, I've been praying ever since then for another woman to intersect into my life again. And I'm very lucky that at 16, I was at Young Life, in Young Life, involved in Young Life, and my Young Life leader has come back into my life 17 years later. And so she's discipling me now at this point. So she's answered that prayer from seven years ago, and she can really speak to a holistic (laughs) 17-year-long. That shows how old I am. 33. uh, My Jesus year. My Jesus year. My Jesus Jesus year. (laughs) And answering, answering that call. And it's so fun to be with her now in a seasoned, developed, mature relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's great. That's Mm -hmm. a real gift. That's a Mm -hmm. real gift. Now, how do y'all know each other? You and Grace and Kelly, how do y'all Grace, share how you know me. So I came to Nashville about two years ago. I started going to Crosspoint and was serving there, had made some friends with some people on staff at Crosspoint and had let the person who was in charge of groups know that I was looking for a group of like (laughs) young women to get involved with. And she was like, well, I have this one leader that I think would be great 
I need to warn you about her. She's kind of spicy. She's a little feisty, but I think you can handle her. And I said, okay, that's quite an introduction. Um, And I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And so she gave my name to Kelly. Kelly called me, talked on the phone. We decided that we were going to do the thing. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. hilarious. That's hilarious. So y'all are in a group together. What what does that group look like? There are five of us. Mm We are all in similar life stages where we were all new-ish to Nashville in different capacities and really united in the desire to live life in a radical way. Hmm. Live lives as single women in a city that has a lot of Christians running around. But what does that look like to live a completely overwhelmingly obedient life to Jesus? Hmm. Yeah. How long have I been together? Terrible memory, Chris. I think it's been about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We meet every week. Um, We call it our commitment to each other. If one of us has to miss, then we we ask for our commitment back from the group. It's something that we take really seriously. If you wouldn't miss work for it, then you shouldn't miss group for it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the way that we do it. And Kelly's done an amazing job as our leader of, like, getting us into these rhythms that are super important. So, um, we spend time in the Word, we spend time studying the Word, and then we always also spend time um, confessing sin, talking about where we've been in our flesh this week, talking about what we need accountability for, mm-hmm. taking responsibility for that, and then encouraging one another in that too. Yeah, um, We share and then we each pray for each other. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, it, it's, it's always, uh, you know, groups are such a wonderful opportunity to bring yourself to the group. Mm-hmm. That's the, I think community is something that is a byproduct of bringing yourself to the group, mm-hmm. you know, bringing yourself to the mission, bringing yourself. Mm-hmm. And so just to hear you talk about the importance of like, man, no, if you're going to, if you wouldn't miss work. Right. Uh, like that's, that's awesome because you're, if you don't show up, then you're not bringing your, you can't bring your gifts to the table that someone might need. Right. Uh, in those moments. And the group wouldn't work if we weren't showing up with our like authentic selves each time too, as opposed to just being physically present. There's an emotional presence that needs to be there as well. Like yeah. we, we trust each other. We've built the trust over time for sure, mm-hmm. but we show up and like, we know we, the group knows me better than probably anybody else in the world. Sure. Yeah. yeah. At this stage. I think about in Ezekiel being the watchman mm-hmm. in your lives. That's what I modeled and I envisioned and I prayed for when I started our group and I was looking for women to gather is I wasn't looking for a Bible study group. You can find those anywhere in the city. I was looking for the watchmen who were going to be fortifying my life and around the edges of, of my life, keeping watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Now y'all are also involved in the college ministry mm-hmm. at Nashville. What, what led you to jump in there and what's that experience been like? Gosh, um, very honestly, I was scared of college kids for a really long time. I'm a high school teacher. (laughs) And um, the reason why I was scared of college kids is because of how dark that time in my life was, how far away from Jesus I was, and the scars of the decisions that I made at that time are still with me. Yeah. The Lord has forgiven me of that, and Jesus went to the grave for that, and I live a redeemed life because of that. Very Titus 3, 3 through 5 for me. Um, But I was scared to go back into that space and a ministry opportunity because of 
what I could find and what I could see. But there's power in storytelling. And so I shared my story with a couple of leaders at Crosspoint. And they were like, hey, your story is applicable for these kids to hear. Yeah. We want to invite you in so that there is power to your testimony. They can connect to that. They can watch how you have learned and grown and given your life over to Jesus. And each time you share your story, there's power to that. It's the greatest evidence for God. Yeah. So I got looped in because of that testimony. Yeah, that's great. And then I brought Grace along. I was like, hey, you want to do it with me? Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> What's the, why did you sense you need to lean in and said it? It'd been easy to be like, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I had been serving at Crosspoint for a while. I'd been serving on the GE team, and that was an amazing experience. Like, loved that. Loved working with Mindy, with everybody there. Um, but just Shout felt out to like Mindy McCombs. Mm-hmm. Um, but just felt like there was there was more leverage of my gifts that was that was available. Yeah. Um, and when Kelly started talking about being a part of college, I was like, well, I like people. I'm like decent with people. Um, I'm better than that. <laughs> Way better than that. She's being modest. So most of my time um, in my career has been spent with high schoolers and middle schoolers. So college to me was great because it meant I didn't have to spend more time with high schoolers and middle schoolers. So that is why I agreed. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, you know, y'all are sharing that. It, Tying a couple of things, Second Corinthians one talks about the the comfort with which God has comforted you, mm-hmm. and He'll in many ways allow you to comfort others going through those same afflictions. And uh, you know, and I say this in the best way, God's shrewd like that. You know, <laughs> that the oftentimes the deepest wounds in our lives become the most fertile places for ministry. That's the word. And um, and it's because it's the place you needed Him the most. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Uh, so to bring your authentic self is critical mm-hmm. um, because that's uh, actually the place where the seedbed for gospel grace and investing in others can really flourish. Mm-hmm. And something that Kelly said when our group started is that vulnerability breeds vulnerability too. Yeah. And I think that, that when you share your story and you share your scars and your wounds and where you've come from, it encourages other people and it gives them that freedom and the knowledge that it's a safe place to be if you trust them with that part of yourself. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Why do you think it's hard um, to do that? Why do you think it's hard? What have been y'all experience in groups of like the the uh, unwillingness or just reluctancy to say, all right, I want to share? Because, I mean, I'm, you said it earlier, like it's mm-hmm. taking trust over time. That, and that's a real thing. Uh, I think Stephen Covey's making lots of money over <laughs> things that matter run at the speed of trust, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've read it. <laughs> so why do you think that is from a, just a human perspective? Well, gosh, I think we could go back to Genesis, the the first sins, and what did what did Adam and Eve do? They hid, mm. and God asked them, "Where are you?" He already knew the answer to that question. He wanted them to admit. Yeah, it wasn't because he didn't know, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I questioned Adam, but different thing. Another podcast, um, but. That's, that's the human response to sin, and that's where the enemy um, really comes in and is set, it says to us, at least it's in, it's in my head, is your sin is heavy and it's dark and you should hide because you should be ashamed and you are far from grace and you should know better. Yeah, That's a really persistent lie at this point after walking with Jesus for almost 10 years. Mm. 
you should 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 be better all, all should should you got to be really careful shitting on people shitting on people okay, watch out i know totally christian podcast <laughs> grace i'll let you finish laughing until you uh and if you want to answer <laughs> just want to jump in on that I mean, I agree with everything that Kelly said. I think that um, when we have to admit that there's something wrong with us, that makes us scared. It makes us think that we won't be accepted. It makes me think that we'll be cast out. I know that that's been my experience, just in insecurity and sharing different things. Um, That's why I've been afraid to bring things to the group, afraid to, like, share a really deep part of myself with someone is because I'm afraid of just being disqualified. I've said, you're not welcome here. Yeah. There's no place for you because of this. When the truth is, there's something wrong with all of us, and it's called sin. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. As we go back to Genesis, um, and I think that is the work of friendship, of discipleship, of group, of community, is coming to a person and saying, "Hey, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with you. Like, let's do this life together." And I need for you to know that nothing will disqualify you yeah. from being loved and being accepted. Yeah. I always love the way Tim Keller talked about this. Mm-hmm. He was so foundational to my thinking of, you know, I'm far worse than I ever thought I was Mm. and far more loved than I ever dared to be. Mm. And it was in the gospel that that came to fruition. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, he always talked about how, golly, man, this was so good. He always talked about how uh, the thing humans fear the most is being loved but not known. Mm -hmm. That I'm loved, but they don't really know me. So if they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. So that's like what the most fear is being loved but not known. But there's one thing worse. That's being known and unloved. Mm-hmm. And that's a word. That would, the, uh, the rejection would be too much, almost too much to bear. And he says it's in the gospel that you can be fully known and fully loved. And the community of faith is really meant to be the place where that's experienced. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you, <laughs> yeah. Come on, church. Right. Yeah. So, right. And it's about showing up for one another too. And that's part of why it's such a strong commitment inconsistency is not going to have that vulnerability breed other vulnerability. Yeah. You want to know your team is going to show up. And that's why we confess in every single week Yeah, is there's always something to bring to the table, always something to get off of our chest, always something to shine the light into. Yeah. And it's met with love and then it's challenged with repentance. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And it's not like it's fun. It's not like I'm like, oh, Monday night, I get to like come and confess my sin. Like, it, it makes my palms sweat still 10 years in doing it. Never gets easier. No, but it's a it's a discipline. And mm-hmm. if we weren't doing that, I would be living in sin sure. right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a pathway to freedom for sure. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a yeah, hard one. Bringing truth to bear in love, though. I mean, because that's the thing. Deep down, we all want to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think... Uh, how do we change? We've got to be confronted with truth and love. And amazing. That's what God's into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no way. Yeah, he's not interested in the behavior modification. He's interested in the heart transformation. And that was instrumental at the beginning of our group. Um, and like part of discipleship within a community group, within a small group, whatever you want to call it, life group, is you're starting off with, Hey, what do we know to be true about love? What do we know to be true about God's character? What do we know to be true about why being in community with one another is a good thing? Mm-hmm. Let's build this foundation of trust and then let's start to share yeah. the hard parts of ourselves, the tender parts of ourselves, mm-hmm. share our stories with one another. Yeah. So that way we can help connect the dots and have data to work with yeah. when we're meeting each week. That's great. Mm-hmm. So 
jump back to college then. Mm. What does that look like? Are y'all just present in the uh, in the spaces? Are y'all investing in girls? Do y'all have groups? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? I know that Kelly and I care immensely about pouring into the next generation for people um, in a different stage than us. And so I think that our dream and our goal is to um, spend time with the leaders of the groups mm-hmm. that will be running college yeah. um, to be able to be pouring into them, even from like someone who's a couple stages ahead yeah. and be able to just to share with them, to do life with them, to be a part of whatever they're doing in that. It's great. Yeah. I think Grace and I both have a gift of teaching. It manifests differently, but I think that our vision and our prayer is to be leveraged in such a way where we can bring what our walk with Jesus has looked like in ministry and in disciplines, bring those to leaders to then bring to their groups. It's like discipleship cyclically where we're pouring into leaders who will pour into kids. Yeah. And what's been really special is while we haven't been formally meeting with college ministry this summer is I kind of had a one-off with a college kid this summer where we met weekly and regularly and it was definitely a discipleship relationship. And I got to pray alongside her and walk alongside her in the Bible and kind of send her off on her merry way (laughs) as she's entering her semester at college. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, that's a, that's a real gift. I didn't come to faith till after college, and I look back at those years mm. like, man, that would have been amazing to have somebody retweet, <laughs> retweet, Josh, you and me, help a brother out. <laughs> oh man, I was being disciple, just not by Jesus' followers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a word. Yeah. <laughs> I was being discipled. Oh man, why do you think Jesus set it up this way that the kingdom passes in many ways from person to person? Why do you think Jesus would set Set these kinds of things up this way. Because we're built for a relationship. Like that's how God made us is for community to be together. I mean, when he made Adam, he said, this is not good. You need somebody else. You need to be in relationship with other people. I think that the Lord created each other to love one another, to share the gospel. And I mean, when you really get down to it, that's pretty much as simple as it is. Love God, love others. Right. There are two things I think of. I think of... In Genesis, everything God created was good. The only thing that he said was not good was that man was alone. And it wasn't that he created Eve so that Adam would be complete or he created Eve so that Adam and Eve would be married. You know, that's a good thing. That's how the world was going to populate. But it was was not good that man was alone. And that's what we can take from that story. And then I also think about the fact that God is in community with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus you know, John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And so we are created to be in relationship, but we're also created to be in relationship because God is in relationship mm-hmm. with the Trinity. Yeah. Yeah. He is a community. Mm-hmm. God yeah. is a community. And he invited us into his community of himself. Right. And with being created in his image and the giftings that each human brings to the table, that's why the body of Christ is so important. Uh, It's not just about going to church on a Sunday and showing up and checking that box. God calls us to be in community with one one another because we're better together. Yeah, That's church outside of Sundays. Yeah, That's what he modeled, too. I mean, he did life with his disciples, like life on life, walking through every single thing, experiencing everything together. And then he sent them out two by two. He didn't send them out one by one to go share the gospel. He sent them out two by two because he knew that they would be better together. Yeah. Yeah, it's... 
Now circle back on that one thing in that Genesis passage. What it doesn't say is that Adam was lonely. Mm. He wasn't lonely. He was very present with God, but he was alone. And so I think your distinction there was really important to mm. just like consider that. Um, so if somebody's listening and they're like, man, I really, I, w- I would love to either like ask somebody to help disciple me or help me grow in, in Christ or like, man, I feel like I want to get in, get in the game, so to speak, and give, like, give what somebody's given me or give what the Lord's given me and start giving that away to others. How would you encourage them? How would you encourage them to get involved? It could be within the church or interpersonally or whatever. Just how would you encourage people to get involved? Well, gosh, I would say start praying. That's what I did that first round is when I heard about this woman who I initially thought was a weirdo. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She'd be laughing. She's laughing in heaven hearing that. Um, I, I, I heard about her pursuing me and wanting to be prayerful about that. So I started praying. Um, just first and foremost is pray for that. And the Lord wants us to be in relationship with one another. The Lord wants to bless you with a relationship of discipleship. And if you're going out there and bull in a china shop, just kind of muscling your way through it, I don't know how well that will go for you. Um, praying about it, getting involved in a local church, not just being a consumer, mm. but getting your hands dirty in the church, showing up um, to other things outside of Sunday start a small group. Um, if you want to be in a small group and you feel God's calling in your life to lead, that's that's where kind of I was. Start one, start community, be a fire starter and um, let the Lord do what only he knows how to do and flex in that. Yeah. Uh, what you just said, one of the surest ways to like burn out and disillusionment is to try to do the Lord's work in your own strength. Mm-hmm. So I, I love what you said. Because that's a, that's a, you need supernatural strength to do supernatural work. Mm. What is he, he going to say? Well, I think the word pursuit is also really important that Kelly said. I think that it's, it's really easy. And this would probably be my tendency is to just, you know, pray for somebody to show up or pray for an opportunity and then just kind of sit there, you know, and wait for somebody to like knock on your door right. or for something to just kind of appear. And I do think that there is action involved mm-hmm. with discipleship, whether it's starting a small group, whether it's serving I think that especially when it comes to discipleship, um, I mean, our group is amazing and it's amazing community, but we're all in very similar stages. If I'm looking for someone to disciple me or if I'm looking to disciple somebody else, then I there are other places that I need to look besides that. And I think that serving is an amazing way to do that because you interact with so many different people in different stages of life. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And, and, you know, other people can connect you to. Folks, I remember the guy that was investing in me uh, in a season. Somebody went to him, and he was like, I am literally relationally strapped. Mm-hmm. But there's this guy named Josh. Like, he would give you everything I would give you. So why don't mm-hmm. I connect you with him? And I one, one of my best friends still today. You know? <laughs> so yeah. it's, uh, it's wild. Let me ask you this. As you've invested in other people, what has been, um, what's been greatest challenges and what's been the greatest benefits? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, yeah. I'll just leave it that way. As you've invested in other people, what's been some of the greatest challenges and greatest benefits? I think the greatest challenge for me is I have found myself um, more invested in sometimes the healing journey or the path that my community members are walking on. And my vision and my prayer for them might look different than their prayer for themselves and I can't want healing or I can't want something for them more than they want it themselves. 
I mean, the Lord says in John 5, do you want to get well? Jesus is with the paralyzed man and he's at the you know edge of the water yeah. and he doesn't carry him in or he doesn't heal him with a word or with a touch. He asks him, do you want to get well? And I can't care more than, than they, I, I just can't care more for, for what they want and what their vision is. And I have to trust the Lord with what he's doing in their life. That's the greatest challenge for me. Sometimes I want it more hmm. than they do. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good word. And I think that's definitely something that I've experienced as well. And like pouring into people, um, especially people who are younger, people who are in high school, who are in college, who are still figuring out who they are, yeah. what they're doing with their life. You know, all those really simple questions. I'm still trying to figure that out too. <laughs> so. Well, we can talk later. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really hard. But I think that's the beauty of being a stage ahead is that you can give them a picture of something that can be better. You can give them some hope. And I think that that is one of the greatest benefits to me of discipleship is seeing people grow and seeing people grow towards God and towards who God has called them to be. Um, and I think that's one of the greatest honors in the world is being able to see the Lord work in somebody's identity like that. Yeah. You and John are, you and John would be buddies. I think it's like third John where he's like, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the Lord. I can't wait to meet him. He's going to be an awesome, awesome meet. He's my favorite disciple. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. That'd be, that'd be a good question. Who's your favorite disciple? That's one of my favorite questions to ask somebody. But yeah. actually not their favorite disciple, Grace. How do I like to say it? Uh, she says, what disciple are you the most like? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my favorite's different than the one that I am. I know we're digressing here. <laughs> it's a good question. We're talking about discipleship. Right. <laughs> well, let's do this. Why don't we dream a little bit together for this last question? Mm-hmm. How could you see Middle Tennessee changed? What could it, What could Middle Tennessee look like if... Everybody embraced possibly investing in one or two other people. What can Middle Tennessee look like? Gosh, I just know that Kevin has such a heart for prayer in this city and revival. Prayer and revival are what the like the pillars are that Kevin's building the church on. And like quite frankly, Nashville is a dangerous place for the gospel because so many people are cultural Christians, but in terms of a developed and a mature or obedient faith in Jesus, that's harder to find. And so if one or two people start investing in one or two people and bringing them along in their lives and running at the same pace and running at the same direction and saying, hey, you want to come and run life with me in a different way? You want to come and do this the way that I think the Lord intended and let's read the word together and let's pray and let's confess and let's sharpen one another. I honestly think this city could just be lit on fire and revival could come in this city. That's what I actually pray for. I would love for my home city to be the site of revival for this country and for this world. Ultimately, I'd love for it to look a little bit more like Eden on this side of heaven. Yeah. I just think about the relationships that would be built. And I think I, I also want to circle back a tiny bit. And discipleship, I think, is like a really fancy word for something that's really quite simple. And it's just doing life together. Um, and I think when I think about what Tennessee, what Middle Tennessee could look like, what Nashville could look like, it looks like a lot of people loving each other really well and trying their best to follow the Lord. And I think about the verse where it talks about they overcome by the blood of the Lord and the word of their testimony. 
and I think about what it would look like for everyone in Middle Tennessee to be sharing the word of their testimony mm. and what that would look like. And I think that it would look like the world changing, honestly, if a whole city was to start doing that. Yeah. I don't think there'd be anything else like it. Yeah. That's good. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for sharing today. Thank you for sharing some of your story and heart. And uh, I know uh, I'm anxious to get these stories out to the folks and see what happens. Thank, thank you y'all. for having us. Thank yep. you so much, Josh. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Find and Follow podcast. We will be dropping a new episode every Wednesday featuring different pairs of people from within Crosspoint's community sharing about their discipleship experiences. If you'd like to get updates about future podcast series we will be releasing, like our upcoming Advent podcast, sign up to receive our email updates at crosspoint.tv slash podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure you go back and grab Sunday's message with Pastor Kevin at crosspoint.tv slash watch now. And follow us on social media at crosspoint.tv on Facebook and Instagram. Now, next week, you don't want to miss our next story of discipleship as we continue the conversation on making disciples.